the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll with your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian discuss current events from a biblical worldview, so we as believers can influence for good in our culture and in the public square. Here is Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Hello, Biblical Citizens. We have a really special program today. It's based on the latest book just released from Eric Metaxas. It's called Letter to the American Church. Kathleen and I both saw and spoke with Eric this week in San Marcos at Rise Church. And then a little bit later in the program, we're also going to have a special guest, a Christian woman, Cheryl Cavalier, who's running for a local school board and doing the kind of thing that Eric Metaxas encourages us Christians to do. Kathleen, Eric Metaxas was quite a force the other night, wasn't he? He is such an amazing speaker. And, of course, he's an author and scholar, and he's written these amazing books, the biography of Martin Luther, I've read it. It's wonderful. It's, Of course, Martin Luther is one of the most important people of all time. He fought against the impressive governments of his time. And then William Wilberforce, he did him his biography, and that was excellent, too. And, and then, of course, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the brave pastor who spoke out in the times of the Nazis and who— went to his death even as a martyr in that cause, fighting against that evil. So he has so much background to draw upon and and uh, knowledge of how in the Bible and in history, Christians have had to stand against evil governments that are oppressing the people, lying to the people, and exploiting them. So it was, it was just an amazing talk that we heard at Rice Church, and I we encourage everybody to read his book Letter to the American Church and his, what his main theme is Brian of this book his is main, main theme is what he does in the book and it's not a long book he draws parallels eerie parallels between Nazi Germany even the times in Germany right before the the Nazis even came to power and what is happening today in America now we can't believe that but maybe since the COVID lockdowns and what we saw during that time, and he reviewed some of the horrible things that were done to churches and and censoring and all these kind of totalitarian tactics that reared their ugly heads in America. But that's not the only thing. That's not the only evils we need to fight against. But he draws all these parallels. And one of the things he mentioned in his book, um, Kathleen, you'll remember this, Before Hitler even came to power, he came to power in 1933. Well, the previous year, 1932, Eric Bonhoeffer spoke before the largest Christian church in Germany. It was the Lutheran church in the capital city of Berlin, a huge church. 
and he warned the people there of the dangers lurking in the German culture and in the political scenes and the need for pastors and believers to speak out before it was too late. He was warning them. Unfortunately, even after Hitler took power, they didn't, by and large, heed him. Well, Bonhoeffer could see that the Darwinism was on the rise and the racism and the uh, the anti-Semitism, that was a result of that. And yes, if you believe in Darwin, why should you care if there's a minority group that isn't as evolved, right, in their opinion? And so he could see these things coming on the rise with the universities, with the medical establishment, just like in our day now, we, the godlessness that was taking over the institutions. And so, yes, and it the was willingness, very much the willingness a to the, It was. And the willingness to give up individual freedom. Now, what are some of the evils? What are some of the evils that Eric Metaxas identified that the church should be speaking out against? It wasn't only, although very extreme, the COVID lockdowns categorizing churches as non-essential, while um, cannabis shops and gambling operations and so on were allowed to remain. I mean, open. we saw what it's like we to be it. under a totalitarian regime right. during COVID. We had no freedom. We couldn't even go out of our house. We were forced to take medications or shamed into it or lose our jobs. There were, we couldn't visit our loved ones in the hospital. We couldn't fly couldn't on an airplane. Atten- couldn't and attend one funerals. Of the, one, one of the very worst things, I think, is we, could, we were not even allowed to breathe freely or show our faces. And so yet they say it was temporary. Well, it could come back anytime, and this is what we live with now is this threat of totalitarianism coming down again, bypassing the democracy, bypassing our voting system that they apparently have corrupted, and just ruling by decree through unelected bureaucrats in these agencies. And things like critical race theory, which is a new form of racism supposedly intended to overcome the old racism with new racism. Why do we think the new racism is going to be any less evil or destructive than the old racism? Our goal, the Bible says all people are equally created under God. And that's what our own Declaration of Independence says. Why should we want to abandon that? And then there's the craze of transgenderism and performing medical procedures on minors without their parents' consent, pre-puberty. That's not just an opinion. That's not just a political issue. That's a moral, a sin issue, and that's what Eric Metaxas made very clear. Yes, so those are two of the big evils, but there's also abortion. There's there's, uh, homelessness, sex trafficking, the, the victims of fentanyl trafficking, the drug trafficking. These are real live human beings that are being exploited and hurt. And if we as Christians do not say, or if we say that we do not care about them, then we're not being who the church is supposed to be. And that's what Eric asks in his first chapter. What is the church? When is the church actually being the church? It's it's when it cares about people that have been victimized. And so what if William Wilberforce would have said, well, I don't care about the slaves, you know, he, he, he said, we need to care about them as human beings, and that's what we do as Christians. You know, and he makes parallels between the reaction of the German pastors in the 1930s 
and the reaction of American pastors today, because back then they said things like, we don't want to get political, or these abuses don't affect us directly, they're only affecting other people. And by the way, it wasn't just the Jews, it was, for example, the handicapped. They got to the point where they were taking away the handicapped in Germany from people's homes, and then they just disappeared. But people would say, well, it's not me. It's not me, so I'm just going to, and they were saying things like, this will blow over. This is a little extreme, but it'll blow over. We don't want to get involved. And, th- and be we see, divisive. We see a lot of those same reactions among many, thankfully not all, many American pa- pastors and priests, I, pastors and priests, I should say, and parishioners today. So Charlie Kirk also interviewed Eric Metaxas. He said, what you can do as lay people is buy this book, read it, and then buy copies for your pastor, for your elder board. Discuss it. Hold them accountable and say, are you really being biblical if you're not speaking out against this and actually doing works uh, to, to help these victims to, to stop and prevent the further exploitation? And, you know, he, Eric... When we heard him speak, he said, you know, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, Jesus talked to the church in Ephesus, and he said, you know, you have a lot of good works that you have been doing, but you've lost your first love, and you need to repent and get back to your first love and your, your good works that you were doing. It meant, he meant the love of Jesus, and he meant doing good works for your fellow man. For your fellow man, and he also said, "And if you don't do that, <clears throat> your lampstand will be taken away from you." And and what happened in Germany, Brian? Well, it, it's that happened. That church, the German church never recovered from the from the by and large silence during the Nazi era. It became a non-force, a non-entity. And by the way, that huge church in Germany that I mentioned that Eric Metaxas spoke to in 1932, guess what? It was bombed. It was destroyed. It was never rebuilt. Literally, literally, that church disappeared. We've we've just got uh, a, a couple points I think we want to make before we get to our guest. But he made the point, faith without works is dead. And when we're called to love our neighbor, you know what? That's just not just our fellow members of our church or our fellow Christians. That's everyone. And that's why abortion is not, for example— just a political issue. Abortion... Or a personal issue. It, abortion affects everyone, the taking of innocent life. We don't say about murder, well, that person wasn't a Christian, so we don't need to hold them accountable because, you know, maybe they believe murder is okay. No, and we were just reading in numbers this morning about not polluting the land with blood, with innocent blood, and that's what's going on with abortion. Our land is becoming polluted. The Lord said... I dwell with you, Israel, and so you should not pollute this land. You know, one other great point that Eric made, it's that we shouldn't just talk about religion, because when we only talk about, you know, we, our religion, we don't believe in such and such, he said this is really a battle over reality. And in our time, even if it wasn't 5 or 10 or 20 years ago, in our time, so many of these issues, they're a battle over reality. And that's why it affects everyone. And we saw that during the lockdown, that the press and the narrative created two different groups 
of people with two different senses of reality. Like which one's the real one? Is it was it the the politicized science on the one side, or was it the other the the people that who were being critical? Uh, so yeah, that's what Satan does. He he divides people into different camps of reality. Even I mean, so Satan the, Satan is divisive. He tries to lie pe- to people and and uh, deceive them. So the reality is is that God created the earth. God created us as Christians. He's called us out to be salt and light, and so that's what we are called you to do. You know one example of someone speaking out is Pastor John MacArthur here in Los Angeles. We know that during the lockdowns he was brave and kept his church open against unbelievable government opposition. But last week he spoke out publicly at his church against Governor Gavin Newsom. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Governor Newsom has been spending our tax dollars to put billboards in other states across the United States promoting free abortion in California, saying, come to California, we'll pay for your abortion. And the most egregious and blasphemous of all, Gavin's billboards quote from Jesus Christ in the New Testament saying, love your neighbor. This is loving your neighbor to try to attract people, including minors, without parental consent to California. That's evil. That's not something we say, oh, we don't want to get involved in politics. Right. So we really encourage you to get this book. Again, the book is Letter to the American Church by Eric Metaxas. Get a copy for your pastor, for your youth leader, for your priest, for anybody that you think can help influence people for good that has a Christian biblical worldview but may not realize the comprehensiveness of what God is calling us to do. So now we have a guest who's actually putting into practice what Eric Metaxas is talking about. In fact, she was there uh, with uh, Eric Metaxas as we were. She is Cheryl Cavalier. She is a Christian woman. She's she's had experience on teaching. She's a counselor. I'll let her further elaborate on her background, but welcome, Cheryl. Hey, Kathleen Bryan. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Good morning. So, Cheryl, you can give a little more of your background and also tell us what you obviously have a very busy life. So what caused you to interrupt that and for the first time, I believe, in your life, run for political office for what we constantly say is as important as any other elected office, and that is school board, District E in San Marcos. What caused you to do that? Well, you know, even as you were just speaking, I was thinking about the idea that as Christians, our eyes are open, right? Our eyes, we, we see in a different way than people as, than people that that haven't seen the truth of God. And one of the ways that I've lived life is to is to try to be aware to what God's showing me. And, you know, I initially I was my awareness came in the mental health field and I was I was seeing a need for Christian counselors and the push to um the push for a for a humanistic worldview within the mental mental health field. Um, so that was my initial pursuit back in 2018 was to become involved in mental health, particularly in California. I actually now think that that was a, a precursor like God was 
educating me on what I would need for actually this moment, which is I became aware, like many of us did over the last few years, of the influence of the school boards and what was going on in our school system. I think a lot of us, like Eric was talking about, are still thinking this is back 15, 20, 25 years ago. Um, and our schools were focused on educating math and science and English. And uh, for those who who haven't kind of like caught up to the times, it's turned more into a propaganda machine and uh, more focused on ideology than they are actually on education. So I, I do think, you know, as you're asking that question about what, what, influenced me in running for school board is I think I've noticed how God has kind of put me in this position. I was initially asked to run for school board by a, by a parent advocacy group uh, in San Marcos. Um, and that was because of my education background. My I, I'm a former Spanish teacher. I have a master's of the educational administration administration, and also I think because of my mental health background, which is I have a master's of clinical psychology, and I'm currently a, a counselor working with individuals, children, and families. And didn't but, you say that you spoke at our North County Conservatives group, you said what they're doing right now in the schools, and I think you said that there's five liberal Democrats in your school district right now that are on the school board and they have adopted a curriculum that is exactly the opposite of what is our good mental health principles. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Well, what's interesting with that too is I was actually just looking this morning and there was a recent Rasmussen poll that said 89% of likely U.S. voters say it's important for schools to be fully to fully inform parents of what's being taught in the school. Of course. Yeah. You would think. I yeah, mean. you would <laughs> you would think. But um in July of this in this past July, just a couple months ago, our our school district in San Marcos adopted um the California health curriculum framework. Their plan is they they got it from the San Diego Unified School District through a they applied for a grant, and by receiving and accepting the $150,000 grant, uh, they're supposed to implement this at the junior high, senior high level by May of this coming year. And when they actually presented this information on the school board website, their presentation was was not informing, right? Even what they were saying about the um, the content of the curriculum was incorrect. So the content of the curriculum includes gender socialization and sex education, which wasn't listed on the website, but, but within, but within that, um, there, there is, there is so much that will disrupt teaching and undermine the family and accept a theology that was just basically came into existence in the last 20 or 30 years 
Um, so they are doing. Even though we don't call it a yeah. theology, you know, they don't call it a theology when you're teaching about uh, meaning of life and gender identity. That, then you're getting into theology about who decides male and female. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. It's an anti-Christian, anti-God, seemingly with the stamp of approval on it. You know that it's more moral. But yet, it's it's the opposite of morality. It's confusing young kids. It's it's not adhering by what is naturally the case, which is there's male and female. I mean, it just and 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 Eric Metaxas made the point too that even a lot of the non-believers can see this madness, that it, this insanity that they're trying to push on our children. And like you say, they're not informing parents; they're deliberately concealing it. They're not telling you on the website. They're telling you something different. So these are real dangers that our children are facing, and we're so glad you're stepping up to to counter this. I want to ask a, I want to ask Cheryl to Cheryl about uh, critical race theory in the context of your mental health and counseling activity and background because teaching children that something totally beyond their control, like what race they are, what ethnicity they are is making them have carry a guilt, and they need to be aware of this guilt, and this guilt needs to be driven home with them, and probably other elements that you're more familiar with than I am. But isn't this, doesn't that uh, cause you to get upset when you see this kind of thing being taught? Well, from from a mental health perspective, the stable attachment to the parent is so important, and what what is happening even as early as kindergarten or kindergarten level is they're they're creating distrust between parent and child because they're indicating that parents are are assigning gender versus allowing students to choose what they want to wear, what they want to play with, how they want to call themselves. So it's it's really creating division within the family because the idea is that you can trust this person to know me, love me, right, um, protect me. And when you're getting mixed messages between what parents are saying in the home and then the kids are hearing this eight hours a day in the school, um, it divides the family. And then, so I mean, I mean that's, that to me is a, is a big issue along with what you're saying that the uncertainty about who you are, Absolutely. right? So, so you, a child, goes, they think, oh my goodness, I love playing with this. I love doing this. I love my name. You know, I love my family. And then they get into a classroom where the teacher is saying, um, you didn't get to choose this. You know, your parents chose this for you. Look at how society has influenced this. You know, how do you really feel? And then they're introduced to all these as young in this curriculum as first grade, these different types of um, sexual orientations. So from first grade forward, they're being introduced to multiple types of sexual orientations when they're not even at that developmental stage which are making them question themselves and who they are. So it creates anxiety. Um, I mean, I'm going to post this curriculum on my website because I think if parents 
we're aware that from kindergarten forward, kids are going to be taught that that gender is from socialization, not assigned at birth, and they're going to be once once the curriculum. And it's not something that you can opt out of. It's going to be infused in all of it across the yeah. board. So a Christian teacher can't won't be able to break up kids into boys and girls. They'll have to use gender neutral language like they. I mean, there's there's no real mention of God, and as a matter of fact, even at the seventh grade level, they're assigning, you know, when they discuss uh, abuse, types of abuse, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, now there is spiritual abuse that's been added. And so kids are learning that spiritual abuse includes strict definitions of gender. So, so basically, the school is starting to, I, I mean, and, and I can see that this is going to feed into the mental health world itself, that, yeah. that these, you know, it, it could even become a mandated report, which is absolutely wild. This and so, in my opinion, they are actually, do you agree with me? They are actually creating mental illness. They are d- confusing the, the little children's mind who have no other frame of reference. They don't know the difference. This is actually creating mental illness. And I have a background with that, with anorexic patients that believe that they're fat when they're really skinny. And, and it's, it's, it's the same type of delusion that you can be the opposite gender. And so thank you for informing us about that. Tell us where parents can see this curriculum for themselves on your website. Well, it is on the it is on the California educational page, but I will put it on my website at www.cheryl4smusd.com. But when you're when you're also in the bigger context of this, we're we're missing opportunities to actually educate our kids curriculum-wise. Right, the focus has turned into propaganda versus education and our kids are anxious in school because they're concerned about their futures. So, I mean, a recent poll showed that 84% of generation of this generation was anxious about the future. Wow. And by the way, your website, Cheryl, that's Cheryl with an S, correct? S H E R Y L. Yeah. S H A R Y L. And spell your last name for our listeners and, and then we'll say bye-bye. Cavalier, C-A-V-E-L-L-I-E-R. Thanks so much for being with us. We've had a great discussion today about Eric Metaxas's book. We've talked to a person in San Marcos who's actually living out the, the duty to protect children, to, to protect members of our society, and we can all do something. We can all commit to a certain amount per week of time and money We encourage you all to do that. Get this book for your pastor. Till next week. Join us next Saturday at noon for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis, seek to educate and activate Christians at a grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover another major news happening from the view of the Biblical Citizen. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.